You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Are you glad to be here today? I am thrilled to be here today. And I don't know what I'm trying to pick up, but I keep moving it the wrong way. It has been a busy, busy week. Have y'all had a busy week? Have you had a good week? Has everything worked out just the way you wanted it to work out this week? I got a couple heads actually going like this, and that's good. I'm rejoicing with you. Have any of you stumbled this week? Have we just blown it sometime this week? Have we worked hard, looked around, and nothing seemed to be coming from it? Have you wondered, does God really care? That's a little more personal, isn't it? But yet, I suspect that there are times in our hearts of hearts we go that far in stumbling because that's our frame, okay? Has that addiction that maybe haunts us continued to haunt us this week? Has the relationship that means so much to us not really, not really worked out the way we wanted it to this week? Have we been disappointed in some way? Where exactly, what exactly have we experienced this week? All of those things, all of those things I just described are life, you know? It's the busyness of life. So I told you I've had a busy week this week. I'll confess to you I've stumbled in many ways, and uh, yet I have been blessed beyond measure. Have you been blessed this week? And none of us, none of us are here by accident today. I want to take you on a little trip today. And I want to tell you a story, except it's not me that's telling you a story. I'm going to share a verse that perhaps we all know, but perhaps we can just think about in a little different way as we go through this day or the coming days. And I'm going to pray hard that God uses his word in a way that pierces our heart and gives us hope in him. And I'm going to pray hard that God hides all of those failings of my own and that they in no way, they in no way detract from the, uh, the thing that God has for us today. Because you know what? God has something for us today. He has something for us today. So, a few years ago, I had the privilege of going to, the, uh, to Israel. Okay, so I want to take you, as best I can with my feeble words, I want to take you to one area in Israel this morning. Any of you been there? Okay, there are two of us, and I think I'm married to the lady that's been there. So uh, your first stretch of faith here is just kind of go here with me. Imagine a beautiful lake. Okay, imagine a beautiful, beautiful lake in a very, very um, rural, calm setting. 
Imagine an early morning, and you look out over the lake, and there's a haze on the lake. It's foggy. Not as foggy as it was Wednesday this morning, at least the day I want you to picture, but it's foggy. Or maybe it was that Thursday. It was so fo- One day it was so foggy you couldn't see. And, but imagine the haze on the lake for just a second. And then, and then listen with your ears and hear these birds chirping. Beautiful, beautiful birds chirping all over the place, okay? Now, I've just taken you to the Sea of Galilee. That's what I saw at the Sea of Galilee. And then you go around the sea. It's a large, it's a large pond, okay? It's not a pond, it's a sea. They call it sea for a reason. You go around it, and there are these little villages stuck all around the, this area. And they're small, and they're in ruin now. But you can picture, when you close your eyes, you can picture what that was like back in the times of Jesus. And Gary, a few weeks ago, uh, had Jesus laying right up here. And by the way, on the, a side note here as I'm taking you back there, why wouldn't I want Jesus to pray for me before I preach, right? <laughs> Kurt was, was the guy that was laying up here pretending to be Jesus that week. So anyway, back to the Sea of Galilee, okay? Back to the Sea of Galilee. And you got these little villages. And people, guess what? People have lives that they're living. And they're busy, okay? You got mother-in-laws. You got father-in-laws. You got kids. You got, you got life, okay? You got life going on. And one of the big things of commerce... Of course, it's a sea. So what do you think people do on a sea sometimes? Yeah, fishing. Okay, they're fishing. So you got these fishermen there, and they're, that's, that's the town that I want us to go to for just a minute today. Now, Jesus had been born in Nazareth, and I'm holding my hand up here because when I, went to, when I was there, we went up to Nazareth too. And it was kind of up there, and the Sea of Galilee is kind of down here, at least in my mind. And it also was a small town. Small town. Kind of like we live in, maybe. Small town, but yet busy. And that's where our story is going to take place today, is here. In the busyness of life, at a point in time, when this had happened, okay, now just to set the context, we're going to go to the book of Matthew, we're going to look in chapter 4, and we're going to look at the last part of verse 19, and that's the only scripture passage we're going to look at today, but by the end of this morning, some of us are going to have that memorized, if you don't already, okay? So Matthew chapter 4, well, because it's chapter 4, guess what? There was a chapter 1, 2, and (laughs) 3, You know, so there have been some things that had happened before before you get to chapter four, and and I like Matthew because one of the things that happened early in this in the book of Matthew, and I'm not going to try to do a whole book study here, but just real quickly in the book of Matthew early, and you can read it later, you can see the genealogy of Christ is laid out, and you know what? There's some rotten people in that genealogy on occasions. There's some people who kind of stumbled, some people who kind of fell, some people who were kind of impacted by life. But they're in the genealogy of Christ, and that's, that's in Matthew chapter 1. And you'll see that uh, Jesus gets baptized, okay? 
And you'll see that he then immediately goes to be tempted by the devil. He's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He's by himself, and Satan is up there after him. And, of course, he comes through that because Satan's nothing to Jesus. <laughs> you know, he's just he's going to beat him every time. So he comes through that. And, and we come down to a point to where Jesus is in this village I described to you. And he looks at these fishermen, and he's, what does he say? He says, follow me. And I, somebody's saying it over there. That's good, Misty, good. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's our text today. This is where we are today, and this is what the Lord's put on my heart for us to talk about today. So, I like this, and as, as the week has gone on, and I have prayed about this, and tried to figure out, okay, what does this, why is this resonating with me, okay? And what does it offer all of you? Because if I'm just standing up here saying something that serves me, well then, that's nonsense, and I shouldn't be doing it. But what does this have to offer to all of us when we think about this call that Jesus issued on this day, in this village, in the midst of the busyness of life, when people all around him were living life, fighting the struggles, winning the battles, winning every now and then, what does this call have to offer us? So the Lord began to work on me through this throughout the week, and I think it does three things here. One is, I was struck by three, three things in this call. Number one is the absolute simplicity of it. The simplicity of it. I'm going to give you all three of them first, and then I'll give them the three again at the end, maybe. The second thing that really, really kind of, as I, as I thought about it, it's simple, but yet, is it not powerful? The power that's in this. And then finally, the, the, the third thing, and I haven't gone all three points in a poem on you, I promise, but the third thing that really jumps out at me about this passage of Scripture is it is eternal. It has an eternal purpose that resonates for all of us. So, follow me. Now I get to get my notes out, okay? So, and they're really fancy notes, you know? I have to, I have to tell you, they're really fancy notes. You see these cards here? Okay, that's it. And, and I, I was going to sit on a stool and describe to you why I was sitting on a stool, and I decided as I was sitting there this morning, that's not what the Lord wants me to do, so I'm not going to even I'm gonna throw that part out. Follow me. Follow me. Was there an educational program that these disciples had to go through before they were called? Do you see a class that they had to go through? Do you see preparation that they had to go through? Do you see qualifications that they had to meet? What did they have to do? Follow Jesus. Simple. Not easy, but simple. Simple.
follow me. Can I do nothing and still follow? Can I? I haven't figured it out. If y'all figured it out, come let me know. But I haven't figured out how I can do nothing and still follow. It's an action word. And as I did the research on it, and I did, it is an action word all the way back into the original language. So it requires, it's simple, yet it requires action. And then it required something else that's really, really tough. What were these people doing when Jesus made this call out to them? Remember? They were fishermen. They were messing around with their nets. They'd had a difficult day fishing. If you read this account in the book of Mark, you'll see it's, it's the same call. It gives you a little bit different background on it. But they were engaged in fishing. How do you think they made their living? Fishing. What do you think their identity was? I'm a fisherman. What do you think those that they supported depended upon them to do? Support them, fish, make money. Follow me. They had to surrender it all. I didn't know we were going to sing the song, I Surrender, at the end. And I think it's always neat when God does those things to us on the Sunday morning or any time in our life, and he just kind of weaves these things together. But the call was simple. The call required action, but the call also required a surrendering, a laying down of my identity, who I was, all this stuff I was doing on my own, and to follow me. Follow me. I even have a card here on the word and, okay? Because it, it, it could have said maybe, follow me. Maybe I'll make you fishers of men. Didn't, did it? Follow me and. You know what? If it's, if it's peanut butter and jelly, it's both of them, right? Right? I'd be really disappointed to bite into that sandwich if I'm expecting peanut butter and jelly and just have peanut butter. I mean, that would not be good. It would not be its intended purpose. It would not be that which it was described as. Follow me and. So it connects it. It makes it, it, makes it clear that this is a natural thing that happens. Now, before I, before I leave the follow me and part of this, there's a passage of scripture in the book of Micah. And I'm looking at my guys back there who are really good. Don't y'all appreciate them? They have to put up with me all the, time, all the time when I have a mic. But Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. There's a passage of scripture there that describes what the Lord requires of us. Okay? And it's Old Testament. But can you get that on the screen so we can all look at it together? They're working hard on it. There it is. Yay. And he's told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness 
and to walk humbly. Those two words kind of screamed out at me as I was thinking about this today. Walk humbly. So as we're following, we're not leading. We're not directing. We haven't struck some grand bargain with God. Okay? It's not, it's not something, hey, I do this, and God, you'll have to do that. Walk humbly. Let there be no pride in my walk. Help me be willing to walk humbly. Help me be willing to serve. Help me be willing to submit. Help me be willing to surrender. Walk humbly. Follow me and. So there's another. So that's, that helped me in kind of understanding it. And then there's a passage of scripture which, which I'm not going to have them put on the screen. But it's one that the Lord allowed me to remember and memorize years ago. It goes something like this. It's from the book of Psalms. Which, by the way, if you're looking for a class, I can tell you that the study on the book of Psalms that's led by Kurt is a good one, and it's good to be in community with folks. He and Kayleen do a good job with that. But in the book of Psalms, in chapter, yeah, it's 37, there's a verse 23, there's a scripture that says something like this. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, are ordered by the Lord. Now, the rest of that passage of Scripture, that sounds like you're walking, doesn't it? Sounds like you're walking with the Lord and those steps are ordered by the Lord. And the rest of that it gives hope because that passage says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And though he may fall, and we all do sometimes, he will not be utterly cast out. I have been young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. God's word from the book of Psalms. It's a part of the, the walking with Christ. Follow me and. So I've talked about the follow me. I just talked about the and. Don't you like these note cards here? Yeah. Let's see. What did I leave out? It doesn't, it's not a maybe. It connects. Sounds like a promise. It's a natural fruit and it's going to happen. It will result. Okay. So here's a cool part of this. Guess what I'm going to talk about next? Two words. I will. Let's say that together. This is a point. I will. All right, that was a little weak, y'all. Let's do it again. I, when I hold up this finger, we say I, and this finger, we say will. Okay? You got it? Okay. Oop. Okay. Follow me, and I will. Well, again... Follow me and I may. Nope, that's not what it says. Follow me and I would like to. Well, he would like to, but that's not what it says. Follow me. Oh, man. This means there's a change, doesn't it? Now, who's doing the work? Who's doing this work? Okay, y'all. I. Thank you, Kurt. <laughs> I. 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 It's God's work. It's God's work in our hearts and in our lives. Okay? 
for a long, long time in my own life, okay? And I actually had the opportunity to, to kind of have to own part of this this week. Um, I had the mistaken belief that being a Christian and following Christ was checking all the right boxes, okay, and doing all of the right things. That there's got to be this secret list out there that to be a follower of Christ, I've got to do all these things, you know, and I've got to check all these boxes, and I've got to do this, and oh my goodness, what a self-righteous so-and-so I was, you know, thinking that I could ever do that. Because one, if you can do that, you're far better than me. But I'm here to tell you, you don't have me fooled. <laughs> Not a one of us can do that. Not a one of us can, can, can be successful at that. Scripture clearly says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And I am so grateful that this passage of Scripture says, I will. Because you see, I don't have to. Now, my natural tendency, and I suspect some of all of us today, is to take that on ourselves and try to do it on our own. And the result of that is we're not going to do it as good as God. We just can't. It's going to be a burden. And you know what? There's an adversary on this earth running around. And he's an accuser. And he's going to accuse us that we're just not even worthy. And <sighs> as big a mess as I am, why am I even trying to serve God? And those are the natural outgrowths of us believing that it's our work. It's our ministry. It's our church. Because it's not. It's not. Follow me. And I will. Who's that about? That's God. That's God. It's God's work in us. God's work in us. And that's what he's promising these folks, you know? So, what did my notes say here? Um, it's not me, it's he. Not maybe, but will. And there will be a change. I think I said that. And then, this is God's work in us. It's not our work for God in some way. It's God's work in us. Whose power would you rather have? God's or yours? <laughs> yeah, I mean, whose power would you rather have? Who would you rather have take on that problem that's haunting you? You or God? Who would you rather have battle that thing you're struggling with? You or God? I think the answer is pretty obvious, you know. I will make you. Oh, my goodness. This, this part, I just almost didn't want to do, okay? I, and that's, again, just me confessing my own frailty. I will make you. Because what it really means is I will remake you. <laughs> I will remake you. And we have to surrender again. We have to let go. 
And we have to say, you know what? God, it's you, and it's not me. So the part of the talk today, I was going to, uh, I was going to do, but I deleted. This is why I moved a, a, a bench up here to the front, okay? I moved it up here to the front because I was really going to start, let me get my arm through this, I can hold that a little better. My friend, I was really gonna. I was really gonna start by saying, you know, as as we deal with these things in our lives, and as we go about following Christ, there are some foundational things. There are some foundational truths that kind of allow us. And I heard a preacher this week say, "Preach the gospel to ourselves." And I also heard him say that the voice we hear most often is our own. So if I'm going to talk to myself more than I talk to anybody else, or more than I listen to anybody else, then what am I going to be saying? So I got to thinking about that a little bit, and I thought, you know, what am I going to build on then? So I picked this stool. That's really not very comfortable. But it's got how many legs? Four legs. Four legs. And it's designed to be set on and rested on, right? So as God makes us, Kind of what does he make us into and what does he help us to believe? And I have to simplify it for myself. And I do it this way. Y'all just, leg number one. Who made you? God made you. God made you. Scriptures are, are full of that. If you want to go to the scriptures, look at it. Go to the first one in the book. Go to the book of John, first one in the New Testament. Read it. God made us. Okay. So God made us. That's one good leg, right? I think that's, that's incontrovertible truth. So which leg would this be? Number two. Well, when we think about number two, here's, the way I, here's what I'd say. God loves you. Except we can say it this way. God loves me. God loves me. It's the story of the scripture. It's passages that, that are throughout and widely remembered. He loves us. And I'm just going to use the most basic one, John 3.16. For God so loved the world. So that's leg number two. I knew I could do that. Leg number three. God pursues us. God pursues us. God desires a relationship with every one of us. John 3.16 again. He so loved that he sent. And then the fourth leg of the stool that I like to rest on whenever um, I'm kind of dealing with some of these things is this. I am his and he is mine. I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer trying to earn it, but I'm a son. I'm a joint heir. And those, for me, become foundational truths of this journey that we go on when we're, uh, when we're following Christ. And because they are, we can rest on it. Gosh, I've never sat down and done this before. But we can rest on it. And it will support us. It will carry our full weight. 
It will take us all the way down the road that we need to go because God is true. God made you. God loves you. God's chasing you. And once you let him catch you, I am his and he is mine. I'm a son. So follow me and I will make you clearly something different than you are. That's personal. That's active. And you know what? It's also ongoing. It's ongoing. There's passage of scripture in Hebrews. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. But, but look at Hebrews chapter 12 and look at the first couple of verses. I, and, I, and I'll just describe it to you at the moment. It's chapter 12, so it means it came after chapter 11, which is a, which is a, a lengthy description of the heroes of faith. And it begins something like this, but it talks about since we're encompassed with such a great cloud of witness. But it's also got a phrase in it as you move on down. It talks about Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. That sounds like a maker, doesn't it? Sounds like he's making us. Yeah, he's the author and the finisher. It's all about Jesus. Have you got the verse memorized yet? Okay, we're going to turn off the screen here in a minute and see if we can all say it. And I'm going to be quiet. Uh, fishers of men. I wish I was better at that. I wish I had been better at that in my life. But then again, that puts it on me, doesn't it? That puts it on my worth. It puts it on my ability. And it kind of is like I'm holding myself up to some standard that I can control. And it's an interesting balance when you try to look at that because this passage of Scripture says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I don't see a shadow of doubt in that. I don't see, you know, as we've talked about before, it doesn't say I may make you. Or I may make you fishers of men, or I may make you, in the spirit of Jonah, some guy that gets swallowed by a fish. I don't know. It says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I resisted that, honestly. Uh, had it in my head that, um, well, I'm going to live a good life. I'm going to keep checking these boxes off, you know. And if I live a good enough life, people will look at me and they'll think, oh, he's pretty cool. Maybe I want some of that. That really was a foolish way to do it. It really was a foolish way to do it. Because, you see, there is no one perfect. And in our heart of hearts, <clears throat> and in the heart of hearts of every person that walks on this earth, there is a recognition that there's a hole there that only God can feel. There's a missing piece there that sin, when sin entered, there's a missing piece there that you just can't find satisfaction anywhere else. I was in San Antonio a year ago, March, 13 months ago. 13 months ago. We'd gone on a trip with... Uh, um, with Donna's siblings and uh, her uncle and her aunt. And it was, it was kind of a cool trip. It was a lot colder there than what we thought it would be. And uh, 
I had already gotten my ice cream at the ice cream place, and I was enjoying it out on this upper deck of this open-air mall thing. And it was so open-air that because of that, I'm going to stand up for a minute because I can't see all of you. Um, because of that, you couldn't, you, you could get rained on if you were out in the middle of this building. And uh, Donna's uncle Paul and I were standing out there, and we are kind of leaning over the, the rail because we're the two, you know, we're, we're the two oldest guys in the group, and I sure didn't want to shop. And I did want to enjoy that ice cream fully. So we're just standing there kind of eating our ice cream, looking out. And there's this guy that walks out there in the middle of the courtyard. And the stairs are just right over here for us to go down there. And he sits in the rain. And he has his head down. And I'm thinking, that's kind of odd. I didn't do anything about it. Didn't do anything else. We said that to each other. And this guy had walked out and was sitting right in front of us in the rain and really wrestling with something in his life. And I didn't do a stinking thing about it. But grieve over it in days that followed as I was convicted about that. And Paul grieves over it too. And we were talking just yesterday, or day before yesterday, um, how that uh, he still prays for that guy every day. Still prays for him every day. I don't pray for him every day. I'm not as good of a prayer warrior. I pray for him sometimes. But the Lord won't let me forget that, that time. Because you see, we do come into people all around us who need something. And something they need is Jesus. They may already know Jesus, and they may just need an encouraging hand. They may need somebody to listen to them. They may need somebody. They may need somebody to tell them about Christ because they just don't know. I can't plan those, those things, and neither can you. But I believe that because we are to become fishers of men, it's not a big stretch to say that uh, we're kind of drifting around in an atmosphere where there's a lot of fish and that we have what the fish really crave, whether they know it or not. And that verse has worked me over. This verse has worked me over. Because I think that, I think that when we think about our, in, our purpose when we walk out of here, we may be surprised because it may be the guy that checks you in at the hotel in my life or it may be the person who checks out our groceries or it may be the person who uh, pulls up beside you at a gas station and has a flat and you don't really want to engage with. It may be a relative. It may be somebody else. But we are created to be fishers of men and there's nothing more eternal that we can be involved in. So, what did my note cards say? Because that wasn't on my notes. That was just me having to confess. <clears throat> Fishers of men, you got to have bait. you got to have something they crave. I think I said that. Do you really want to think of yourself as fish bait? 
Okay, so you come home, somebody asks you, well, why did y'all talk about church today? Well, the guy was speaking told me we're just fish bait. <laughs> that would make people want to come here, won't it? <laughs> well, we've got something they crave. We've got something they crave. And it's not out of our good works. It's out of the one who does the work in our lives. It's Jesus. I think the mission's pretty clear. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Doesn't mean it's all laid out, okay? <laughs> doesn't, mean that, uh, doesn't mean that these A, B, C, D, E, and F, G, H, whatever, is going to happen. You're going to go in this, in this fashion. But we're going to be made fishers of men. It's a clear mission. Um, and this is the eternal purpose part of what I said earlier. There's a passage of scripture in Philippians that says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. When we follow somebody, we begin to develop their mind. We begin to see people who are hurting. We begin to be more sensitive to their needs. So how did it turn out for these disciples? Okay? This all happened. Oh. Can you say it with me together? The verse? I'll say the first word, and then I want to hear you all finish. And if you don't do it loud enough, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you do it again. But can you kill the screen? Okay. This is the test, the pop test. Follow. Okay. What? Matthew 4.19. All right, I'm taking notes, you know, and making sure you all check every box so you be just perfect. And there were three of you that didn't say it, okay? So we got to do it again. Follow. So how did it work out for these, these disciples of Jesus? I'm, I'm about to wrap up. How did it work out for them? Well, a couple things that happened, Okay. They had a tendency to fall asleep when he prayed. They got into an argument every now and then about who was the greatest. There was a doubter. Well, there's even a denier. Actually, there were a couple because Peter denied too. Yeah. They got confused. They didn't have it all figured out. And God used them to change the world. And God used them to reach the nations. So great is their reward in heaven. They were remade, and they were used as a part of God's redemptive plan. So what about us? What about us? It's God's work that's in us. It's not our work. He'll do it. Ours is to walk humbly and to be obedient. And what can God do with a little church on a hill in Anderson, Missouri? that can impact individuals and the nations. I'm excited to think of what it can be. And I'm challenged. I'm deeply challenged and deeply honored that the God who made us desires us, pursues us, and gives us the tremendous blessing of being a part 
of his work to reach the nations. And that's, that's what the Lord's put on my heart to share with you all today, okay? So that verse of scripture, again, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So let's go fishing. Let's see, let's see, let's see what the Lord brings. And then let's tell the fish stories, okay? Not the exaggerated ones. Y'all heard about these fish stories, right? And you know, everybody that's taking a picture of the fish, you're taught early on to hold it way out here because it makes it look bigger. We don't have to do any of that. These are God's stories and our privilege to, to work in, to be a part of his work. So as we wrap up today, um, we're going to have a time to have the Lord's Supper. And um, as we come to the, the Lord's Supper today, I will read the passage of Scripture. Um, and you know what? I'm going to read it twice today just because I, need, I feel like I should. <laughs> okay? But I'm going to share with us a passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew. Um, I'm going to ask you to do as Matt does on occasion. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. When I read that passage of scripture, the elements are in the four corners of the room. Um, the, our expert technical team back there has got a song selected that, that will play. So if you will go uh, get your elements, come back to your seat and pray, or pray before you go get them, or pray while you're getting them. Just pray. And, um, and I'll read the scripture now. And we'll begin the music, and then at the end, I'll read the scripture, and we'll take the elements together at the end, okay? So let's do it that way today. So the passage of scripture I want to read is again in the book of Matthew, okay? And it's Matthew chapter 26, 26, 27, and 28. And let me find the right spot here. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you, in the Father's kingdom. So at the time that Jesus shared this with the disciples, it was, um, and I said I was going to have y'all stand when I read it, I didn't do that. So maybe Lord want me to just say this. At the time that um, Jesus did this with his disciples, they'd been following him for a while. They'd been walking with him for a while. They still didn't have it all figured out, and he's still teaching. He's still making, and they're still following. So um, let's just, let me say a prayer, and then y'all start the music, and then after I pray, when you're led, if you want to pray on do it, but just come get the elements. Father, we thank you. for your love for us. We praise you, Lord, for your sacrifice for us, your pursuit of us. 
And we just pray, Lord, that um, we might always remember the depths of your love for us and that your body was broken and your blood was poured out. And that's evidence, Lord, of the deep love that you have for us. We praise you for that.